Beloved, as we now come to the preaching of the Word of God, I would like to direct your attention to uh, Mark chapter 8, uh, beginning from verse 14, uh, 18, uh, 20, 31 to 38. Mark chapter 8, beginning from verse 31 to 38. The Word of God for God's people. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the, on the things of God, but on the things of man. And calling the crowd to him, disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Our gracious and heavenly Father, we are now about to hear a heavenly voice from you, our heavenly Father, through the proclamation of your word. And as we do that, O oh Lord, we ask you to grant us your Holy Spirit so that each and every one of us, despite the theological intellect and the station where you have placed us in this life, we all together would humble ourselves before your mighty word and become faithful and humble listen. Lord, take these words and use them to conform us to the likeness of your Son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. First, I would like to thank the faculty for giving me this opportunity to stand before you all this this. Uh, this uh, this afternoon to proclaim the word of God to all of you, the saints at Redeemer, myself and my family, we often pray for divine blessing to continue resting upon this seminary, the seminary that I love and cherish very, very much. And I bring greetings to all of you from my fellow elders, deacons, and members of Redeemer in the name of Christ, our Savior. How many of you can think of salvation without the cross? 
Do you think there can be true Christianity, true religion, without crucifixion? I want you all to wrestle with that, to think about that. You know, most of the first century Christians, including the disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ, in our text this morning, they thought that they can have promised Messiah without the suffering of that Messiah on the cross. Their mind couldn't process a Messiah who would come to the world and die on a tree. And as you can see from our text this morning, the moment our Lord Jesus Christ began to teach his disciples about the fact that he will suffer in the hands of the wicked men of this world, that he will be rejected, that he will, will be killed, then the immediate response from the disciples was what? Resentful. They were resentful. Peter represented all the disciples in even taking his master aside and he rebuked him. I have been in a, sem- in, a, in a seminary myself and you are in a seminary. Do you remember any time that you would take one of these beloved professors aside and rebuke them? Peter did that. And what does that show you? That shows you where they were in relation to who the Messiah was. That they were really struggling with their knowledge of who Jesus was, a Messiah without the cross. Think about that Christianity without Savior who died on the cross to reconcile wicked sinners with God the Father. A Messiah who will not heal Dead sinners like you and I, but his wounds, Isaiah 53, 5, but he was pure for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace with his wounds. We are healed. Can you imagine Peter's mind and the mind, the mind, the mind of the other disciples functioning with the exclusion of this divine provision? A Messiah who would die on the cross to reconcile rebellious sinners with the most holy and perfect God. And it was because of that, you see, even after that great confession that Peter made, you remember that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. After that great confession, you would expect Jesus to say, well done, my disciples. Here, my mission on earth ends. I'll go back to my father and I'm leaving the work of God's kingdom in good hands. No, that's not what Jesus did. That's not what Jesus said. He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. Do you know why Jesus did that? Because he knew what they were thinking. He knew their struggle. He 
loves his disciples. He loves us. Even if we fail him after making a great confession, like the confession of Peter, Jesus still wants to teach us. He still wants to guide us. Still wants to give us insight into his word. And the three lessons that we from our text this morning. The first one is the necessity of the cross. The necessity of the cross. You will see that on in verse 31 to 33. And then the second lesson that I want us to take is the application of the cross. Verse 34 to 36. And then the reward of the cross. You see that in verse 37 and 38. So first, the necessity of the cross. Jesus told his disciples, I want all to know that the Son of God has come into the world to suffer, to be rejected and be killed by wicked men. He used the term, the Son of Man. Every time we think about this term, Son of Man, what comes to our mind? His humility. Jesus is fully God and fully man, perfect God and perfect God, but also his humility. The fact that he uh, was born from virgin, for the, the Virgin Mary and that he will die on the cross. But there is more in that term, the Son of God. Let me take you to the book of Daniel, chapter 7. The vision that Daniel saw, verse 13 and 14. I saw in the night in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. That was Jesus. And he came to the ancient of days, God the Father, and was presented before him. And now listen to this. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. And all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. This is what they know. Their Old Testament tells them that the Messiah and his kingdom will be destroyed. And now Jesus is telling them, actually, the Messiah is going to be rejected. He's going to be killed. He's going to be crucified on the cross. And Peter said, don't even suggest that to us. This should never happen to you. To the extent that Jesus called him, what? Satan. Behind me, Satan. We, you know why? We'll, we'll come to that. But this is, this is what they know. This is what they learned. And their mind was thinking of redemption of, of atonement the death of the Messiah on the cross Jesus must suffer must be rejected no cross my friends no salvation no cross no forgiveness but why why is the cross necessary why the necessity of the cross 
in a form of a teaching to his disciples privately. Him and his disciples, like you and I, in the presence of our Father. Now, the first the necessity of the cross was love. It was for the sake of love, not the kind of love that the love people about brother love, love between two sexes. No, but divine love, divine love. People in the world were going to see the kind of love that they have never seen before. The Son of God will come from heaven to visit this world, to do what? To die for his enemies, to die for those who hated him, those who rebelled against him and his father, Psalm 2, those who rebelled against God and his love. Behind the cross, you have divine love. Behind the cross, you have the kind of love that you have never experienced in your life. You remember John in First John 3, 1, he calling all God's people, all God's children, hold one, what? One thought. Hold one provision. Behold. Behold means take what Whatever you are doing and think about this, grasp this, understand this, perceive this. That's what it means. Behold, what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God. You see, the Messiah came to die on the cross to turn enemies into a true and living worship of the true and the living God. That's why he died. So that you and I would understand every hymn that we sing together, every word that is proclaimed from the gospel, you and I would perceive it. You and I would understand it, that we all would see the divine love, even in what I proclaim to you this morning. He came to die that vicarious death to the place of sinners, atone the sins of God's people, to satisfy the wrath of his father once for all, so that you and I have a direct access to God the Father for worship, for communion, so that you and I would call this God against whom we rebelled, Abba, Father, by the Spirit who dwells in us. That's why Jesus died on the cross without his death. The adoption of sons and daughters of God would be gold and silver, any kind of gift to God would not secure but his was on the cross. Romans 5, 
to eight for a while we were still weak, helpless to save ourselves. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly, for one was scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God, listen to this, but God shows, which means displayed, manifested on this cruel tree that we call the cross. He was displaying his divine love to whom, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When people who claim to be Christians make statements like, you know, when I found Jesus, it always amazes me. And I always talk to them, seriously, what do you mean? Explain that to me. Until they tell me that he first took the initiative to draw them to himself. Because when Jesus died on the cross, you and I were in our sins. We were spiritually dead people. He found us. First loved us. He to die for us and turn us into God's children. Ephesians 1, 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Think about Jesus to Peter. When Peter told him, this will never happen to you. This is, this is shocking. So he took him aside and rebuked him. And Jesus said to him, get behind me, Satan. Why? You remember Jesus said in the wilderness, one of the temptations were the devil wanted Jesus to bow down and worship him so that the devil and the ruler of this world would give him all authorities and riches, you know, whatever Jesus was seen around him. But what the devil was trying to do was, is I can give you all these things without you going to the cross. So let's come together and agree to remove the cross from Christianity. That's why Jesus uses that severe statement toward Peter. Peter, right now you are like you are acting like Satan. You're acting like the devil. You want to remove the cross. You need the cross, Peter. My children need the cross. I must suffer. I children, my disciples, my preachers. The only reason why. The only reason why you are a professor, the only reason why I'm standing behind this pulpit today is the love of God that has been displayed on the cross. You and I are the product of the cross, the product of divine love. And that's You see, everyone needs to confess Christ as his Lord, as his Savior. But listen, Jesus told them after he revealed to them that what, what the Messiah really means. And calling the crowd to him, 
with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and profit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? What, what here? You see, Jesus so far has been talking about his own cross. His own cross, where we all heard that great proclamation, great news, it is finished. It's done. I have saved my children. I have secured eternal life for them. Anyone who, who would believe in my cross will be saved, will be justified, will be reconciled. We'll have the privilege to be called a son or daughter of God. Then what? Then comes a cross. His cross, a cross. But no one from here is going to die on behalf of other sinners. Jesus has done that. But everyone has, every one of us here are called to take up our cross and follow Jesus. Our cross. But what does it mean? What does it mean? What does taking up your cross and follow Jesus mean? Let me tell you what it does mean. Taking up your cross and follow Jesus doesn't mean for you to take up your burdening trials Afflictions to everyone around you is my cross. I must carry this cross. God in his word has told us, cast. You don't need to carry them. By faith. But we don't carry them. They are our cross. What this exhortation, what this call means is to deny you for the sake of Christ, for the sake of the gospel. Remember Jesus said to his disciples in Luke 14, 26, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. I'll tell you one true story. I was preaching on this portion of the scripture back home one time. And there was a young man who attended church for the first time. He heard me saying to the people what Jesus taught his disciples. To hate your own father, mother, wife, and children, and brothers and sisters, and Follow Jesus, he told home, and he, you know, he went home and told his father. His father, his father, I was, it was morning. I came, I was coming to my office. And my father stopped, and he said to me, "Why are you teaching my child to hate me?" I said, "No, no, 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 no. That's not to explain what it means to the father who was unbeliever, like a communist." 
you know, uh, freedom fighter. I did my best to, to tell him what this means. And the father finally said to me, well, you know, it's uh, less worse than what I thought. At least I survived it. But for us, it's what? To deny yourself. To deny the things of this world, to deny fame, to deny riches, to deny comfort, to deny your own life for the for the sake of not compromising gospel before the world. To deny yourself means to do the will of your Father in heaven, Daniel. Join Jesus in saying, Father, let your will be done, not my will. To deny yourself means to believe in the Lordship of Jesus Christ, the most disregarded subject matter in the Christian life today, the Lordship of Christ. To believe in his Lordship to believe that he's the Lord of his church, the Lord of his people, the Lord of this world, and to deny all things. To deny yourself means to make Jesus no, no matches with Jesus. He's the number one. And Jesus was telling them, you need to yourself. You men, you need to be ready to suffer for the sake of the gospel. With this kind of attitude, with this kind of understanding of who the Messiah is, you will never take up your cross and follow me. Matthew 24, no one can serve two masters for either he was he he for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will to and despise the other money you know representing all kinds of false gods in life make Jesus the king and the lord of your life. Do his will. And then lastly, the reward of the cross. Those of you who are studying theology here in this seminary, those of you who are training men for the gospel ministry, we all need to be encouraged by this. We don't serve a father in heaven. We are not under shepherds. For no reward. The sake of reward. But Jesus here is telling his disciples. This is what I want you to know. Suffer for my name's sake. When you deny yourself and promote the name of Christ, the Son of God in this world, there will be a day, there will be a time where 
the son himself, the son whom you will honor, the son whom will proclaim to this world, there will be a day and time where the son of God will acknowledge you, will reward you. Listen to Jesus. This is what he told them. For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man will be ashamed. Contrast here is, if you don't honor me, if you don't deny yourself for my sake, you will end up in being ashamed of me. And then when he comes in, with his, his, his holy, angel, holy angels, he will be ashamed of you. But the problem 12.8 is, and I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before man, the Son of Man also will acknowledge him before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before man will be denied Denied before the angels of God. The word acknowledge, confess, make known. Let me ask you this. Do you want and then when the Son comes in glory, he will be ashamed of you? Or you want to suffer for his name now? And then when he comes in glory before the entire world. He would call your name and acknowledge you as his faithful servant in this life. Call your name and acknowledge you. What is riches? What is fame? What is intellect? Reward. This he has been faithful, even to the extent of denying himself, even his own life, for the advancement. Acknowledging it. Your elder acknowledging it. Your professor acknowledging it. Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords calling him after much suffering, much trials, much loss for the sake of his glorious name. It will be his turn to call your name and acknowledge you before all men. Is that what aspires you? Being in the seminary, being a professor, being a pastor, being a pastor's wife. That's what aspires you. I just want to look to that day. When my Savior comes back. When he returns in glory. And give me this reward for his own glory. May the Lord grant us his Holy Spirit. To always remember this, to always aspire for this by His grace. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father and our God,
Your word is infallible and life-giving. It's also a powerful reminder for each and every one of us of our call, our chief end in this life, which is to glorify you and enjoy you forever. To deny ourselves for the cause of the gospel under any circumstances, relying on your grace. Oh Lord, may this message from your word, from our heavenly father, take root into the heart of each and every one of us and change us so that each and every one of us would become a humble and radical disciple of your son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.